Welcome to The Good Goddess Show, a weekly podcast for women who are fed up, are feeling bloated and tired. I'm your host, Kezi Hall, holistic nutritionist and all-around health geek. Let's dive in to the show. Hello and welcome to The Gut Goddess Show. I have an incredible episode for you today that is going to inspire and equip you to be as well, as healthy, as energized as you can be. This episode is going to help your gut microbiome and your relationship with food and help you balance your hormones and improve your energy, all while inspiring you, motivating you, and also letting you know you're not in this alone. Like, I'm right here with you. I've got you. And you're probably listening to this around the festive season. Ho, ho, ho. I hope you are doing well. Maybe you're listening to this whilst you're stuffing a turkey or making mince pies or trying to navigate deep family drama. Wherever you're at, you know, I see you. Maybe you're working over the festive seasons and you're doing tons of shift work and you hate people talking about Christmas. I used to have a job where I worked shifts over Christmas and it was annoying. So I, I do feel you if that's you. But wherever you are at, I hope that you are well. And so before we dive into this week's episode, which is going to be such a good one for you, just want to remind you of a couple of things. If you're still listening to this before the 21st of December, you can get access to my Eat and Be Merry recipe ebook. This is all of my favorite, most delicious festive recipes from stolen bites to gingerbread muffins, to Christmas cake, to brownies, to basically all the snack and treat recipes that you need so that you can enjoy Christmas, feel festive, have some treats, but also not be bloated, sluggish, tired and fatigued and enter the new year feeling more like a, I don't know, winter whale than a fabulous gut goddess. I've put it all in the Eat and Be Merry recipe ebook. It's only £11. You can buy it now if you go to keziahall.com forward slash be merry. It's basically your survival guide to the holiday season. I really, I, my philosophy is really about feasting and enjoying food. This isn't about just eat celery over Christmas. It's really about, yes, what food can you eat that's going to support your gut microbiome and your energy production and your brain and your mood and your hormones, but also how can we cultivate a good relationship with food? Because food is celebration. It is family. It is community. It is a part of the rituals we have in life and that's okay, but how can we have both? How can we feel good? support our gut, support our microbiomes and enter the new year feeling really well instead of just like this sugar, hungover, fat, awful, depressed person, which is how I used to feel by, by New Year's Eve, just from all the sugar and all the rubbish food that just really impacted my mood, my gut health and my symptoms. I just got sick of feeling that way. But I still really want to enjoy Christmas and feel like a normal person. You know, I wasn't, I didn't want to sit there and... But yes, I'll just have a green juice. <laughs> no, I want to eat mince pies. Anyway, so that is what I have, why I created the Eat and Be Merry recipe ebook. It is your guide, your survival guide to the festive season. It's only £11. Grab it now. You'll get it instantly sent in your inbox. There's over 25 recipes of savory and sweet. It's, it's mainly sweet treat recipes, but there's a couple of savory snacks in there as well. And also when you buy it, you'll also get access to my mystery masterclass happening in January. So if you know you need some accountability, a bit of support to help with your relationship with food, to have some guidance, this is perfect. It's really, really affordable, like 
super low cost available to everybody. And also you'll get some support in January in 2023 as well. So it's the perfect way to enter the new year and the Christmas season and just enjoy your food without like losing the plot with your relationship with food and with how you feel and your symptoms. So that's keziahall.com forward slash be merry. The next thing is, if you want to work with me in 2023, then you can sign up now to save your place, pay a small deposit or your first monthly payment and secure your place for the new year without having to pay my increased fees. In 2023, I'm changing up some of my programs and my price will increase. But if you know you want to work with me next year, you know you want to enter the Christmas season feeling really good, knowing you have a plan in place, knowing that stuff sorted, that come March 2023, you will have seen massive shifts. You'll have support. You'll have accountability. Things will change for you in 2023 if you want that. But you also want, and you also want to save some money, then now's a great time to book in and um, kind of pay your deposit. And then we can get started in January or February 2023. So if you want to chat more about that, if you want to find out more information, get sorted, go to keziahall.com forward slash book. That's keziahall.com forward slash book. Or you can DM me on Instagram. I'm at, I am Kezia Hall on Instagram. But if you just book in your free Zoom chat, it doesn't commit you to anything. There's no pressure, but it just means we can chat it through. I'll explain how it works. And then essentially you can just sign up, either pay your first uh, monthly payment. And I have um, six, eight, 10 or 12 month payment options. So I keep it super flexible or just pay a small deposit. And then we can get started whenever it suits you in January and February. So if you know you need personalized bespoke support with weekly, daily accountability, lab testings, you know, this, the full in-depth package so that you can see incredible results in 2023, sign up now, book your call now chat it through and then you can decide because it will just save you some money and it also you know when you sign up now you won't have to pay the increased prices in 2023 but we could get started in February if that worked for you better and you just know you'll have that accountability we can start running labs over the next couple of months it'll be awesome so I do have space for new clients heading into the new year so if you want to work with me keziahall.com forward slash book keziahall.com forward slash book and if you just want some delicious festive recipes, then go to keziahall.com forward slash be merry. Okay. Essentially, you can find out all of those things at just keziahall.com. <laughs> okay. But I want to just send you so much love. Thank you for listening. I so appreciate you. Please share and review the podcast. It really means the world to me. And if you have been listening to the podcast for a long time and you just want to send a bit of love in my direction, then buying the uh, eat and be merry ebook is a great way of supporting the podcast because this podcast takes time and money to run but I'm so happy to do it because I know I get such great feedback from you guys all the time that this helps helps you to change your lives health gut hormones and skin and that is what I'm here for but if you want to send a bit of love my way this festive season and you want to eat some awesome delicious treats and come to my mystery masterclass in January then you could buy the eat and be merry recipe ebook keziahall.com forward slash be merry sending you lots of love wishing you health and joy and rest and peace and goodness and light and love and wonderfulness as we go through this festive season okay so let's talk all things digestion 
Um, and this, I've kind of called this digestion 101. So I'm really, what I'm going to be looking at is giving you a good um, overview of what digestion is and also like the secrets to good digestion. So how, what are like the basics to having really optimal, really kind of on point digestion and also why the heck that's even <laughs> important um, because it's a fundamental part of the practice that I do with clients and um, because it makes a really big difference if it's off. Now, first thing to note about digestion is this isn't only applicable to you if you have digestive issues. So maybe you listen to this, you have IBS or you just look like really bloated and pregnant at the end of the day. And you would kind of, you know, you might obviously think, oh, well, I need to work on my digestion. But even if, say, you have, um, maybe is you have an autoimmune issue, actually, then we really need to work on digestion. Maybe you have skin issue, maybe it's acne, psoriasis, eczema, random rashes or skin infections. Again, we need to really look at digestive and a digestive function. Maybe you have something like arthritis, I suppose that could come under autoimmune issue, um, whatever kind of issue actually you're facing. I know this can, this might make you a bit cynical or skeptical, which I totally get, but digestion is a really, really important part of our well-being as human beings because the point of digestion is to take and extract nutrients and certain kind of compounds in order to use them in the body. So you say, let's say you eat a blueberry. The whole point of digestion is to pull apart that blueberry, extract all the awesome stuff, leave the stuff that we don't want or that's not useful or that is harmful, extract all the awesome stuff into and break it down into its nutrients, so into its, you know, the vitamin C, into all the specific things so that it can be absorbed into the bloodstream, it can get filtered through the liver and then be transported to all areas of the body. So it can be transported to individual cells, potentially to, um, to in the production of energy as, in a, as ATP in the mitochondria. It might be a nutrient that's really important for cell membranes, so the wall around the cell. It might also be really essential, you know, to, for certain nutri um, organ um, functionality. So we know the liver uses lots of B vitamins and amino acids and all these different things. You know, the brain, you know, all these nutrients need to go to all these different organs as well as into the blood, as well as into all these different functions. Having good digestion is not just like, oh, it would be great if I wasn't bloated. It's actually essential for your longevity, for your health prevention of future disease and for you to feel really good. This is not an optional add-on yeah, it would be nice if I didn't have reflux all the time. Like it would be nice if you didn't have reflux all the time for sure. But it's also really important. And so often people will really bypass this because maybe their health issue doesn't mean they're bloated all the time. Well, they don't have any outward signs of digestive issues, meaning they're not constipated. They don't have reflux. They don't have bloating. They don't have stomach pains or whatever it is. And so they think they can ignore this, but no human being can afford to ignore this area of digestion because every human being has been, <laughs> every human being has cells that need the nutrients that we need to extract and break down from the food that we eat. That is a whole point of, of digestion or kind of gut health that is also get called at, it also gets called 
And that is why I personally think it is my opinion that the food that we eat is one of the most underrated but powerful resources that we have as individuals in order to transform our health and our lives. If you can get your nutrition on point, then actually what the every meal and snack that you eat can become a source of good for your body. It be, can become a healing agent, agent in the body. It can become a way in which the body can heal and you can live longer and you can have better cognitive function and better performance, better joy, better sex, better fun, better digestion, all of these different things. It's all connected. And I know in our culture, we've tried to extract things into these boxes all over the place, but actually your body works as one thing. Digestion isn't this separate you know, byproduct and we just need to eat and digest in order to not die. I mean, that is the case, but it's so much deeper than that. So whether you're listening to this and you have digestive issues, whether you listen to this and you maybe don't have digestive issues, but maybe you are really anxious, maybe you've been diagnosed depressed, maybe you have osteoporosis, uh, maybe you have skin issue and acne or fertility issues, then please take note. And please, if you take one message away from this podcast is know that you need to support your gut health. You need to support your digestion and it could be causing you problems even if you don't have digestive symptoms. So with all my clients will always support the digestive process, even if the main reason they're coming to me is because they have really bad eczema, for example. Then we'll still look at optimizing digestion. So just want to make that really, really clear from the get-go. But what I really want to look at in this episode is just getting super specific about ways that you can really optimize your digestion and kind of looking at some of the basic functions of this thing called digestion that we need to make sure are working well and are and things that practically things you can do. So I've got six things and six different points. And so from the end, by the end of this podcast, you should have a really clear idea of what might be going wrong with your digestion if you suspect that and also ways that you can really support it and obviously if you have more questions you can go over to facebook or instagram at supernaturally healthy all one word um, and also make sure you join my beat the bloat challenge if you're listening to this um at the time it's being recorded and released in february i'm running my five day beat the bloat challenge that i've already explained to you but it's really really awesome and this is a great place to begin to really optimize your digestion Okay, so what are some of the basics of optimal digestion? To do a quick explanation of the digestive system, okay, start your mouth, visualize your mouth, that's the kind of beginning of your digestive system, although one could argue that um, your nose and eyes are because the sight and smell of food that kickstart those digestive kind of enzymes and those are signals to the body that food is coming. So you you could argue that, that those organs are actually the beginning of digestion, but in terms of food hitting the body in a tangible way. We've got the mouth. We release certain enzymes and amylase and things in the mouth and the saliva. We also chew our food, really, really important part of um, mechanically breaking down food. Then obviously the food travels down our um, uh, esophagus, down into, goes through a little valve and then it ends up in our stomach. Then it goes from our stomach into our small intestine that goes on for like a couple of meters. Then we have our ileal cecal valve, then that's when it joins into the large intestine, it goes around the large intestine for a while. Then it comes out to the rectum and boop, you poop it out. And also along the way, you have the liver, the gallbladder, and the pancreas all contributing. These are organs that food doesn't bypass through, but they contribute to this process. So if you think of the digestive system, it's kind of like 
an open highway in the body. It's actually more, you could argue it's more outside the body than in, if that makes sense, because it's kind of a tube going from the mouth to the end that food bypasses down. And it's kind of, lots of people actually describe it as being outside the body. But anyway, that's not what I'm here to argue or philosophize. That's not even a word, but you know what I mean. So that's a little bit of what the digestive system is. That also gets called gut. So when I talk about gut health, we're talking about the digestive system and those different organs and things going on. So what are some of the basics of optimal digestion? So, and what are the things that you can do? So we're going to be looking at how do we optimize and how do you support it and what, as well as some of the things that can go wrong. So we've got six different things here. So um, the first thing that we want to look at, if you want really healthy and optimum digestion, is supporting stomach acid. So there can be lots of things, you know, if you go to a bookshop or like read some blogs, you can talk, you can read stuff a lot about like, I need to keep the body alkali. It's so important that I eat a really alkali-inducing diet. I've, I follow the alkali diet. And I get the principle of that. It's really important to have some alkaline, more alkaline-forming foods, like vegetables are often those foods. I do get that. The blood needs to be kept at a specific pH, otherwise you die. There's different... The body, But the body overall has different pHs. So the body overall is not alkali, as far as I'm aware. Again, there's research out there proving otherwise. Feel free to correct me. Um, but there's different parts in the body that are more alkali than others. But the stomach is actually highly acidic. And that is a good thing. The stomach needs to be acidic. It needs to have a really low pH. You do not want an alkaline stomach. That would bugger so many things up. And so if you hear someone yabbing on about, no, I'm making my body alkaline, I get what they're saying in a way, but it doesn't actually make sense. You want a really acidic stomach because it has a couple of roles. It's to prevent infection. Um, you need the stomach to be that acidic to break down protein. So protein gets broken down into amino acids. Amino acids then get used to, to rebuild skin and like your gut lining and to create neurotransmitters like serotonin and tons of other stuff. It's a super essential part of breaking down protein. Um, and it's, it's also really, really important for, for the acidity of the stomach also triggers off things like bile release and digestive enzymes being released into the stomach. So having an acidic stomach is super important. But what I find with nearly 70% probably of my clients is that stomach acid is reduced. Now, stomach acid will naturally decline with aging. So just as we get older, it'll naturally um, decline. And then also um, medications will also interrupt that. So if you're regularly taking um, things like uh, Gaviscon or other kind of heartburn, reflux remedies, over-the-counter, Rennie pills, those kind of things, they'll be suppressing your stomach acid. If you're on a PPI medication, so things like omeprazole is one of them, but there's other types out there. Again, that medication is designed to suppress stomach acid. So if you have low stomach acid, if your stomach acid is suppressed either uh, through induced medically or through um, medication or um, through other things that we'll talk about as this goes on, um, through like things like stress, infection, um, all of tons of other different things, which I'll explain a little bit more. If that is reduced, you'll struggle to digest proteins and um, absorb amino acids. Also, you'll really struggle with 
vitamin B12 um, absorption and iron that and therefore that affects iron absorption. So you see this really commonly in people that are consistently anemic or maybe have pernicious anemia even, um, people that are struggling with B12. And we know that in the elderly, B12 um, deficiency or depletion is really, really common. And that's because most elderly people are put on PPIs for far too long. Um, and if you are on a PPI, like on a memeprazole, for example, or another type, though most of those medications, again, as far as I'm aware, were only designed and tested for short-term use. So if you've been on that medication for a year, two years, three years, you really need to get that reviewed by the doctor ASAP because it research is really clear that it impacts your vitamin 12 absorption, your iron absorption, and a couple of other things going on because what that medication does is it reduces the stomach acid and the stomach needs to be acidic. Now, obviously, if you've got really bad reflux or heartburn or maybe you have an ulcer or whatever, then you really need to look at why that is the case because those medications will help with the symptoms, but they don't treat the root cause of why it is that you have reflux or heartburn. And I deal with that a lot in with my clients. Um, I had a client who had severe heartburn that they couldn't sleep because it was too painful. They couldn't lie down. They weren't sleeping. It was just ruining their life. And so we had to do quite a lot of work to figure out why. So that's the first thing. If you want an optimal digestion, you want to support stomach acid. Now, how can you do that? A couple of really easy things. First of all, don't drink a lot when you're eating. So if you're eating a meal, that is not the time to be downing a pint of water. It's not a time to be drinking loads and loads. You want to stay hydrated in between meals because water will dilute the stomach acid and dilute the kind of digestive enzymes. So that's a really easy thing we can all do and really helps to support digestion. So maybe drink before a meal or maybe an hour afterwards. Don't drink loads during a meal. Just have small sips of, of water or whatever it is that you're drinking. Another thing that can really help is that before you have a meal, you might have like one to two teaspoons of raw apple cider vinegar, which you can find at my shop on my website, um, in your water. So dilute it, don't drink it straight, um, in a bit of water and that can read that's an acidic um, substance and that can really help to raise the ph of your stomach really gently and natural it's, it's just a simple food um, and those two things can be really really helpful also to really um making sure you um, take a little bit of time before you eat to calm down so taking some deep breaths maybe giving some thanks and just making sure that you start eating food from a place of um, calmness and peace, not like do, 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 like on the go stressed. So that's number one. I'm going to try and rattle through these actually because I realize we've got a lot to cover in this podcast. So as um, the lady from Miranda would say, bear with, bear with. So that's number one, support stomach acid. Number two is on that line that we were talking about, about breathing and kind of almost centering and pausing before you eat is number two is reducing stress. Now, this has a huge impact on digestion. It really, really does. So if you are feeling stressed or another way of saying that, if you are just on the go all day and you are like, you may be feeling good, but you are like killing it. You are on the go. You are productive. You are ticking off that to-do list. You've got a million things done. You've got a million things going on in your head. You've got that thing to do. There's the thing for the kids, that stuff for the house. You've got to send that mortgage application off. Or you've got to tidy the house. Or you've got to put the washing out of the washing machine. Or defrost tomorrow's dinner. Oh, phone your mom to remind her about that appointment. Uh, change the bed sheets. If you, that is stress. You don't, you could be emotionally really happy about it, but that is a lot going on. And when your body is on the go, so when it, it is in this um, 
kind of sympathetic nervous state, what the body is going to do is think on a really primal level, okay, we've got loads of stuff going on. We're really stressed. So stress means some sort of threat. So there's some sort of threat going on. So we're going to make sure that we've got certain hormones elevated in the body so that at a moment's notice, we can um, run, we can fight, we can freeze, we can do all these things. So these elevations of things like cortisol, which you've probably heard of, which by the way is a great hormone. We really need cortisol, but it's a bit like Goldilocks. We want not too little and not too much. So don't like demonize cortisol. It's a great hormone that helps your immune system and lots of different things. But we just don't want it to be, we don't want tons of it all the time. And so what we want to do is when, say, an example of cortisol is elevated, this kind of stress hormone, the body isn't, is going to divert energy away from digestion and focus its energy on producing these hormones that are going to help you to be productive and help you fight and help you flee and help you freeze when it's perceived when the perceived crisis hits so reducing stress is really important and this isn't just like I don't I don't actually say this to make you feel better you know emotionally this is really about um supporting your physical digestive process so this isn't like oh it's nice to feel nice and look calm and um no this is actually to help your stomach to produce stomach acids that you can break down your food into amino acids that you can make things like serotonin like this is a really practical process so reducing stress is really really important because you want all you want to start eating and you want the energy of your body to be diverted and to be focused on digestion because actually digestion is a really energy sucking process it takes quite a lot of energy from the body to digest food. So you want all the energy available to be going towards this intensive process that is digestion. So things like the best way to do this is to not eat when you're stressed. So that doesn't mean you need to go and meditate for 45 minutes before you have breakfast, although that's a great thing to do. It can simply mean, like I said before, just sitting down at lunch, maybe in the office, and you just intentionally just take a few deep breaths into your nose, out through the mouth, you see that a few times you know four five six seven times you maybe just roll your shoulders back you might just say a little prayer of gratitude you know just thank you thank you that I have such an abundance of food available to me thank you that I can eat it thank you that I have what I need thank you that I have more than enough whatever it is and doing that can totally shift you into the right parasympathetic nervous state and when you're in that state the body wants to digest it wants to focus its energy on releasing stomach acid and all that good stuff so you might be tempted to bypass that because you think it's not very practical but it is super practical stress affects your cells it affects your hormones it affects your whole body. It affects your organs. It is stress is embodied, isn't is 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 not an emotional thing. It's an it's an embodiment. It's in your body. So number two. Okay, another way to really optimize digestion or another really basic kind of pillar of optimal digest, uh, digestion is making sure that you don't have any infections. So removing infections. So in digestion there can be a lot of things that go wrong. (laughs) And because as I mentioned, the digestive system is kind of this tube that is, has 
access and faces the outside world. So we have food coming from the outside, coming into the, our body because we it's, it's very vulnerable to infection. So there can be lots of different uh, infections that can happen. I often see in my practice, my one-to-one nutrition, um, online nutrition practice is um, things like H. pylori or Hector pylori or Hector Balactor pylori, sorry, known as H. pylori. Is often in the stomach, and this redu- this reduces stomach acid, can be contributing to things like ulcers and heartburn and all sorts of things. You can have things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, where you have um, excess types of bacteria in bacteria or fungus, actually fungal, um, in the small intestine. You can have an excess of kind of just general yeasts in the body, small and large intestine. Um, and tons of other different things. Um, and they can be small infections to big ones. It can be parasites also. So um, you might have leftover giardia in the body from traveling. You might have um, a whole um, different, there's lots of different types of parasites that you can have going on. So if you have these infections, these parasites, these um, excess funguses and yeasts going on in the body, that can really interrupt and get in the way of digestion because certain bacteria, excess bad bacteria might be producing their own gases, which make you bloated. And the problem with these infections is that they, they, they often will change the kind of pH landscape. So they, they change the environment of the stomach. And a lot of what happens in the body is really based upon specific temperatures and specific acidities or alkalinities, that's a word, specific pHs in order for certain reactions to take place. And these infections really alter that. And they can also get in the way of absorption. They can mimic things going on in the body and they just really get in the way. So it's really important that if you maybe have heartburn or bloating and you've had it for a long time and whatever you, no matter what you eat or what you do, it doesn't really seem to change it. Then you need to really look at, do you have an infection? So you can go to the doctor and um, get tested for H. pylori for sure. Um, but things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, you need to do privately, and um, which I'll do with my clients. And I also run um, sometimes a stool analysis. And again, your doctor will run a stool analysis for parasites, but I tend to run a more in-depth one privately. And that really points out specific parasites that might still be living, even if you've had treatments in the past for parasites. Um, it'll also look at the stomach and any bacterial and fungus and all that kind of thing. A lot's worth also noting a lot of the time people are like, oh, I have candida. And you might do, but often that's really not, often that's not what's going on. Candida is an is opportunistic, so it often comes after another imbalance or infection. So um, I know sometimes in nutrition there can be these fads and fashions where everything's about candida and it's that's not really the case it's not always as simple as that so you want to remove infection now the best way to do that is to get tests done and work with your doctor and practitioner to make sure that you don't have one of these things going on so that's number three number four I was going to try and remember number four in Spanish and I can't remember which is shocking um, so number four, another way that you, another pillar of optimal digestion is really around promoting healthy diversity in the body. So just like everything in life, 
diversity is best. We want to eat a diversity of food. We want to live in communities where diversity is celebrated. And that is the case out and in the body. So you really want to make sure that your gut microbiome, so this landscape of the body, if you think of it like a garden, you don't want just grass growing in a garden. Or like, if you think of the earth, if we just had grass, it'd be really boring. If we just had like green grass, then that would be super dull. But gardens that are um, most life-giving to um, humans and to animals are ones that are really diverse. There's trees, there's bushes, there's flowers, there's fruit trees, there's vegetables, there's moss, there's funguses. There's all of these different types of things. And you want to think, there's a similar thing when internally, is you want a really healthy, um, diverse range of bacteria, fung- um, funguses, uh, yeasts, um, same thing as fungus, um, different even viruses, actually, we want to keep in the body and we want a diversity. And one of the problems that we find in kind of Western cultures when people start to map out this thing that is the gut microbiome is we just see a lack of diversity and that's linked to obesity, autoimmune issues, it's linked to um, mental health issues. So actually, we want to promote healthy diversity. Now, a way that you can do that, again, is by addressing all those other things. So if you're stressed all the time, you have an infection and you have really low stomach acid, then you're going to really struggle to have um, healthy, this kind of healthy, diverse landscape in your digestive system. So you've got to, you know, all of these things work together. Another way is to make sure you have a um, some really good, a really good source of healthy bacteria. So this can look like food by things like kombucha, kefir, kimchi, and these kind of fermented foods. They really support digestion in lots and lots of ways. Um, and another way is to supplement with ideally a kind of spore-based probiotic. So a, a probiotic that we know can get through the acidity of the stomach because we just talked about how that acidity is there to really protect the stomach and stop things basically getting through. So you really want to make sure that there's that acidity, uh, so, sorry, that you have a probiotic that can get through that kind of um, barrier. And, and that it's going to actually colonize, help to recolonize and promote diversity in, in the gut. Another way of doing this is making sure you're not eating loads of sugar. You're not addicted to sugar because sugar will often feed the more pathogenic bacteria and yeasts and cause an imbalance because it's almost like the sugar will just feed these kind of aerobic or um, kind of sugar loving bacteria and cause them just to replicate and grow and cause a bit of an imbalance there. Also to help with that, you can eat more prebiotics. So these would be things like fiber, both soluble and insoluble. So that would be things like vegetables, woo-woo. things like freshly ground chia seeds, freshly ground linseeds, um, fruits, um, things like um, soaked and sprouted beans and lentils to really help promote, because prebiotics basically help provide the soil for probiotics to live in. So prebiotics are what probiotics often healthy pro- healthy bacteria will feed off of. So it's really important that you get, that's why getting adequate amounts of fiber in the day is so important. On an average, we want to be hitting about 35 um, grams of fiber, but often when I'm looking at people's food diaries, we're, you know, people are getting like 10 or 15, which is just not good enough. Okay, so that's number four. We want diversity. Okay, number five is we want to promote healthy movement. So your digestive system, um, 
the whole process of it is a movement. You're, you're wanting to physically move food from your mouth into your esophagus, into your stomach, into your small intestine, and then out the other end. So it is really important that you look at this, the movement of digestion. And in your intestines, this is um, contribute, this is supported by peristalsis, which is a muscles contracting and causing the, the kind of chimes, so the partially digested food to move along the um, intestinal tract. You have muscles, sev- like three different layers of muscles surrounding your stomach in different directions to really help to contract the stomach, to like churn the foods around mechanically. So digestion isn't just a chemical process with acids and enzymes and that kind of thing. It's also a, um, a mechanical process. So you chew and then it gets to your stomach and the stomach churns around and then you have the, the chime go all go through the intestines. It's a mechanical process, often controlled by muscles. So you need to make sure that your body is getting the right nutrients and cofactors for healthy muscle function. And this and muscles um, work in lots of ways, but it, um, calcium and magnesium are really important for healthy muscle function. So you need um, the calcium to contract and the magnesium to um, relax. And these two things work together. And so often people are really lacking in magnesium and this can cause issues. And and sometimes that can mean, um, so in your intestines, if you imagine there's just random contractions across the intestines, that would be painful and cause a lot of bloating. If say your ileal cecal valve, if the motility and the movement of that ileal cecal valve isn't, so that's the valve that joins your small to your large intestine and that kind of valve will let stuff go out but shouldn't let stuff backwash basically but so often in things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or even things like Crohn's and with Crohn's it's really common to see a really severe infection around that ileal cecal valve area in the body um, can be it's there's this poor functioning of these mechanical practical aspects things like heartburn sometimes it's that valve at the top of the stomach which is I've forgotten its name is it cardiac sphincter? Anyway, no. Anyway, um, that can sometimes not be functioning properly. The actual movement of that valve is what's causing the heartburn. It's not because you've got excess acid necessarily, although that can be a case and which is why you've got to get it checked out. But most of the time people don't have excess acid. They actually have, it's a movement or it's a motility issue. The valve isn't closing when it should close. And so you've really got to look at that. So a, a great way to support that is to make sure you're getting enough magnesium and the best way to support your magnesium and to reduce stress and to just help with lots of things in the body is to have a bath two to three times a week with one to two cups of Epsom salts in. Then that means you're going to be absorbing these magnesium through your skin. So it's going to be a transdermal absorption. So you don't need to digest it or it doesn't need to go through the liver. It can bypass all of that. And um, it's also really relaxing. So I really recommend all my clients Epsom salt baths. Actually, while I was doing my postgraduate studies in nutrition recently, me and my um, class, when we were doing our clinical sessions, we always used to laugh that if in doubt, recommend an Epsom salt bath. (laughs) Just because it just is really easy. It's really relaxing and it can work for so many different things. So that is the fifth kind of pillar of optimal digestion and that's movement. And the final thing for really optimizing um, digestion is supporting the liver and gallbladder. So these are organs that really contribute to digestion, but they're not actually, you know, food you digest isn't actually like brushing up next to your liver, but the substances it releases is really, really important. Now, 
Um, the liver is an amazing organ. It's super complex. It does so many things. Um, obviously, you, we often think of it when it comes to like detoxing. So detoxing alcohol from the body, but it's also um, really helps in vitamin D synthesis. It really helps in the metabolism. It supports the thyroid. It's um, where we kind of turn off hormones, helps with hormonal balance, uh, um, stores um, energy and sugar, just tons of different things. Um, but one of the functions that it does that we're going to focus on is that it produces bile. And then the gallbladder is what actually stores the bile. And that is where um, during digestion, bile should be released from the gallbladder to um, emulsify fats. So we need bile in order to um, emulsify the fats so that they can be absorbed into the bloodstream. Because um, as you know, fat and water don't like each other. They kind of, you know, they don't... They, a melted butter will not dissolve into water and so we need to and obviously um our blood is not uh um you know we have fat in it through cholesterol but it's it's not a fat substance we have lots of water in the body you know the bo body's made of 80 percent of water so how do we get these fats in we need to emulsify them that's what bile's for so that can also go wrong with lots of people. So if you feel like you struggle to digest fats, it's probably a bile issue and it might be a production issue or you might not be releasing it. We also have things like the pancreas as well. Um, and that's where digestive enzymes will be produced. And that those are really important. So again, you can see there can be lots of different things that go <laughs> awry in this process. Um, and it might need to need to support the liver to stimulate and support bile production, or it might be bile release. Um, I know lots have had lots of clients that have gold, have had their gallbladders removed, which um, I often think is a shame because I think actually uh, it's as far as I'm aware, there's never been any support given to um, you know. Uh, to support that bile and release and production in the body. And that can often, a more holistic nutritional approach can actually really help to solve gallbladder issues. Um, so that is another really important thing. Now, things that you can do to support the gallbladder and liver are things like bitters. So eating nice bitter foods like dark leafy greens, having ginger tea, supporting your stomach acid really helps with those things. Your liver is really supported by foods like um, dark leafy greens, turmeric, ginger, beetroot, garlic. Um, I feel like I'm missing out a certain food. Mm, anyway, those will all really support um, the liver. T herbs like nettle and dandelion are really great for these kinds of things. Um, and so though eating, making sure you're eating some of those every day, I always like to think every day of how am I supporting my liver? Because it's such an important organ. So I often do that by drinking certain teas, like nettle tea and dandelion tea. I'll drink that first thing. I'll have lemon in my water. That's a really another helpful way of supporting um, your liver. I'll make sure I eat dark leafy greens every day. I make sure I'll have some raw garlic or some ginger, or I take some turmeric supplementation. All of these things can all help support your liver and gallbladder. Whew. So those are the six pillars of optimal digestion. I've just thrown a lot of information at you, so you might want to listen to this again and take notes um, because what we've just looked at is the six kind of pillars of digestion along with six different actions that you can take to really support this. So in future podcast episodes, I'll probably go more nuanced and detailed into these specific things. So looking at heartburn 
and what, how do you support stomach acid? But I re- did really want to give you this overview before because it's so easy to get bogged down in the detail. But we actually need to know, we need to have awareness of what's going on in our body and how we can support it. Because like I said at the beginning, if there's one thing you work on in your health, work on optimizing your digestion and your gut health because it will, the rest of your body will thank you 100%. So I hope that's been helpful for you. If you like this podcast and you listen every week, then leave me a review. Reviews really, really help um, other people to find the podcast. um, And they're a way of you just saying, thanks, Kezia, for putting the time, energy and finance into producing this free weekly show. Because my goal really is to provide you with a really educational, but hopefully fun weekly show that ultimately is going to help you heal your body and create and live that beautifully awesome and healthy life that you were created for. So if you haven't left me a review, head over to iTunes. So you can go to iTunes, search for the Gut Goddess show. Even if you're subscribed, search for the show, click on it and you should see a ratings and review section. Click on that tab and then there'll be a little option to write a review and you can do that there. So I'd love to have a review from you. Otherwise, I hope to see you in the Beat the Bloat Challenge, which you can join at supernaturallyhealthy.org forward slash WP forward slash bloat. So supernaturallyhealthy.org forward slash WP forward slash bloat. Sending you lots of love. Bye.